Training camp continues for the Miami Heat, but the big story is the latest intel on a possible pursuit of former MVP James Harden, plus more camp takeaways, Bam Adebayo's interest in representing Team USA in the Olympics, and with a roster likely set, can Miami improve on their regular season record? All that on today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg. Joining me as always is Dave Vermill. However, you're tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. We'll get to the latest on the Heat's interest in James Harden and a big decision that Bam Adebayo has to make in the coming months. But I want to start with the Miami Heat's offense, David. Last season, they finished 25th in offensive rating, and that's a big reason why they went from the number one seed in the East to a play-in team last year. Now, we know this. We figured it, They figured it out in the playoffs. They finally got hot from three when it mattered most, right? But they want to try to build on that playoff run, that playoff success, specifically on offense, and be better on offense this season, which they're going to have to be, right? I, I want to read a quote uh, from Eric Spolstra, who was asked about the offense after today's practice. Quote, we want to have a specific style that we're trying to get to, which we know what that is. We want to get certain guys involved, get them to their strength zones. That's Jimmy, Bam, Tyler for sure. Our spacing and then making sure we're disciplined on every single possession. We're going to do everything we possibly can to work through this regular season with intent to win games, to establish how we want to play, to get better as the season goes on, and ideally be our best version when we're heading into the playoffs. A couple of things there uh, that stand out, David. Obviously, this whole idea that the Heat don't care about the regular season anymore and they fit, and they, they they crack some code and it's all about the playoffs. They care about the regular season at least enough to try to not be a playing team anymore. I've been on that. And Spo's quote here is basically like, yeah, we don't want to win 44 games and be in the play-in. We'd like to win more and just be in that top six. That's essentially what he's saying there. But the part that I think is most interesting is talking about Jimmy, Bam, and Tyler. So the question, I suppose, is what do you think the offense looks like running through Jimmy, Bam, and Tyler Hero? And can the Heat offense be better than it was last year? I don't think so. I'll answer that part first. I I think it's... It'll probably be consistent. I think last year's roster, and I mean, a lot of that depends on who will be getting the bulk of the minutes. And I know Kevin Love is a nice addition, but I don't know that I'm ready to consider Love will be able to put up even more like his career numbers from three point shoot, you know, from three point range. I don't know that he's going to be that kind of elite level shooter at any point moving forward. And I'd love that to be a a mistake. I, I hope that he has a great season. I just, you're, you're pinning a lot on a player that's kind of been through a lot over the course of his career. But can he, he be better than Miami. 29%? Cause that's what I he mean, was in Miami. You know what I mean? I think that's career, fair. he's like 37, 38%. Can he, can he settle I in? I think he's 35%. closer to the 29. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I, I look I, again, I, I might be wrong. I just don't know that either Bam or Jimmy or Tyler create enough spacing individually to, to draw defenders to allow Kevin Love, I know it kind of works conversely too, where Kevin Love has to be rep- yeah. respected as a shooter to allow them the spacing to go to work. But I think you're going to see a lot more pick and roll, getting into one-on-one action mm-hmm. there, and then kind of a kick out to a wide open Kevin Love, similar to what we saw last year during the playoffs and during whatever brief stint Love played during the regular season. 
and it just didn't work. And at the very least, you had guys like Gabe and Max, who I think are better shooters than whatever potential options you might have in, in terms of other starters in the lineup, either Kyle Lowry, Josh Richardson, Tyler Hero, or a combination of those three, you know. So I, I don't it's I just see it as getting you know pretty much consistent with what we've seen. I, I don't know that they're gonna be able to incorporate any new wrinkles. They're not gonna have Bam flare out to three and be able to put out those shots, even though that would help with the spacing immensely. You're not going to have a four out system where you kind of let Jimmy just go to work because I don't think, you know, Jimmy's just not that type of player. I don't think Jimmy's going to put up more threes either. He kind of joked about it. He's talked about it. And at the same time, I just don't think he's likely to incorporate into that game. So maybe this isn't a take that a lot of Heat fans want to hear. I just don't see a lot of evolution from last year. You're harping on the three-point shooting, and and I think you're right to do that, by the way. Uh, the, the biggest difference between Miami two years ago when they were the number one seed in the East and last year when they were the eighth seed, essentially, they were playing team, was the three-point shooting percentage, right? Two years ago, they kind of cruised to that number one seed because they were the number one team in three-point percentage in the NBA. Last year, they were the worst three-point shooting team in the NBA of all the teams actually trying to win games. That is a major difference. That is a major difference. And like uh, you laugh, but it's true. Like that's that's quite literally where they were across the board. Gabe Vincent, Max Struess. Like we tend to forget how frustrating last regular season was, given how exciting the playoff run was. And all of a sudden, everybody just it kind of happened like a week before the playoffs. We're like, is this team like reverting to the mean at the exact right. right time? And then boom, they did. Right, everybody caught fire. And the next thing you know, they're in the NBA Finals playing the Denver Nuggets. And you're like, what just happened? But for 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 Five months in the regular season, that offense was dog doo-doo. It just was. And it was so hard to watch. And quite frankly, I didn't even know if they were good because they were still good at creating good shots, just like they were in the playoffs. They were just bricking all of them. And so it was – I was like, is this team like good at this but just not good at shooting? Is Max Struess and Gabe Vincent actually – are they not good shooters? Was last year in, in, in our – you know, two years ago in this respect – just sort of like a fluke, like a blip. And, and are they actually going to settle into actually not being above average NBA shooters? I don't know. Then they both caught fire in the playoffs. So I have no idea what to think about them. But if if they could settle in just league average, you're not they're not the best three-point shooting team in the league like they were two years ago. They're not, they weren't then. They just caught fire for a full season and they aren't now. But I also know that they're not the worst three-point shooting team in the league either. I know that for sure, also. Right. So if they could settle in closer to like 15th, like le- like literally league average, that's a huge bump. That's a huge bump. And all of a sudden, like some of those frustrating losses are, are, uh, you know, comfortable nine point wins. You know what I mean? Like, that's what we're talking about here. And and now you're not in the playing tournament and you're one of the top six. And that's what we're asking about. Instead of being 25th in offensive rating, maybe you're 20th. And that doesn't sound great, but it's a whole lot better than 25th. And if the, and so if I'm the heat, my goal is top 10 defense. They were ninth in defensive rating last year, stay in the top 10 defensively, but you got to climb offensively and you you just you probably are that sweet spot is probably somewhere between 15th and 18th in the league in o rating if you can hit that part of it is just hitting more shots from three but part of it too is is what spo was talking about the intent he keep talking he kept mentioning that word intent intent remember that last year david that was sort of the big thing to me I thought Miami's offense struggled with an identity for most of last season because you've got Jimmy yeah. Butler going 60 and a 65 on the highway into the playoff start. And then you've got Crazy. Talahiro and Bam Adebayo just sort of figuring out a pick and roll game that didn't really exist right. prior to that. I think they're going to, I think we're going to see them lean more into that Talahiro Bam Adebayo pick and roll because I don't expect Jimmy Butler to, you know, do what he did in the playoffs in the regular season. So do you, I, and 
I don't know that it's the best option in the NBA, but it might be the best option on the Miami Heat is, okay, let's just run this hero, bam, two-man game. Hope we can generate above-average offense. It's not going to be elite offense, but can we uh, generate above-average offense out of this, get Jimmy Butler to, to pick his spots in fourth quarters when we need him, and then just hope that everybody around those three makes their shots. I maybe I'm harping too much on the you know personnel involved here, but you consider what you just mentioned the year before and PJ Tucker on the roster. And basically yeah. the bulk of his offense was an outlet passer in the corner who could take the and catch and shoot and knock down that three-point shot. And he did so at a league high. That's a lot something that everybody kind of tends to forget is that he was leading the league in three-point percentage on you know less attempts maybe than some other elite shooters, but he was really, really 41. good. 41.5% that year in Miami. Yeah, and it, it was it was very very necessary for Miami to have that. So I wonder if maybe they'll put Kevin Love in that kind of corner spot. We saw him yes. take more corner shots That's last his year, job. just yeah. like it was Myers Leonard's job, and just like it was Kelly Olynyk's job, and just like it was PJ Tucker's job. Like the Heat have a type, you know. And 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 look, it is a big question that you bring up: Can Kevin Love be how much better than twenty nine percent can he be, and can he be closer to his career average of around thirty seven, thirty eight percent? It's a huge question especially from the corners. It's a huge question. If he can't do it, then could somebody else do it? Can it be Nikola Jovic? Could it be Haywood Highsmith? Could it be somebody else? The problem with Highsmith is as good as a, a three-point shooter he might be, you know, that he's telling – that Duncan Robinson told us on the show that he will yeah. be. Like, that's Leaps great. And but yeah. there's not a whole lot of dynamic offense there anyway. You still kind of have a ceiling as to what it is that Haywood Highsmith is going to provide. If, if he's making catch-and-shoot threes, that's great, but he's not, like, taking dudes off the dribble or anything. Like, a lot of this offense is going to come down to Tyler, Bam, and Jimmy being the offensive shot creators, and that's really it. I don't know that there's a real other shot creator on this team, and and, and Kyle Lowry can create shots for others, but not really for himself anymore. Uh, he'll get, like, into that mid-range and spin around and, and take, like, a 17-footer every once in a while, but those are fewer and further between now at, at 37 years old. So it comes down to those three guys, and then, and then yeah, the personnel just around them. Are they making shots? Is Josh Richardson well, a 36% shooter like he has been his entire career for them? I, exactly, and I think we've discussed this a lot of late, but that might be what influences Eric Spolster's decision-making in terms of who starts, you know, alongside those guys. Is, is Josh the best option in terms of being able to bring in another playmaker another guy who can knock down shots from the perimeter and still keep up a high level of defense to you offset need, whatever. You have to have two shooters around Jimmy and Bam. You have to. So it's like, yeah, all right. Kevin Love and Tyler Hero. And somebody else. And, and probably and Josh. Theory, well, or, or Kyle Lowry. You know, or Kyle Lowry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was, I, so I'm, still, I'm still now leaning back towards Hero and Josh starting in the backcourt. Maybe it's also Kyle Lowry. We'll see. Um, maybe the Miami Heat make a move to add a shooter. That's also possible. We're going to talk about kind of that next here. Uh, is there a move the Heat can make to dramatically flip this entire offense on its head, or have they already ruled that out? We're going to talk about that next here on Locked on Heat. Today's episode of Locked on Heat is brought to you by Bird Dogs. I love my Bird Dogs. They make me look good with their stretch khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through the thigh to give the leg a truly sculpted look. To put it another way. You wore them them at training camp yesterday, weren't you? Wearing your Bird Dogs yesterday? I wore them when I got back home from training camp. I see that you were setting me up there for a lie because you knew I wasn't because I wore pants. (laughs) But I did put them on when I got home. I did put them on when I got home. Um Look, they do the same thing that Lululemon shorts do, but they fit way better. They're not as expensive, and they're better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. You don't want that. Bird Dogs fixed the issue by inventing a cloud-knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches 
so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Plus, Bird Dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. You were joking about maybe I was wearing them at uh, on the FAU campus for training camp yesterday. But if I was a college student, I would have I would buy these. I would be the crap out of these. First of all, the anti-stink sweat wicking fabric, big time for a growing boy in college. Like that's that's great. You know what I mean? Especially on that FAU campus. If I was that that, that place is hot, just like the UCF campus was. Go night. So like I would have gotten these. Uh, you should get these. Get yourself a pair. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA or enter the promo code locked on NBA at checkout for a free bird dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NBA for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. I promise you. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. If you've missed any of the ton of content that we've put out this week, really ramping up for the start of the season, we are so excited for Miami Heat. Real basketball beyond the trade rumors, even though we're going to talk about one really like in two seconds. But um, interviews after training camp every day going up on YouTube. You can check those out there on the podcast app. We've got... All of our interviews from Media Day in parts one, two, and three. If you've missed any of those, make sure to go check them out. Even if it's like a player you never even heard of or don't care about, they all had something interesting to say, and I, I very much encourage you to check that out. Um, and then, of course, we will be with you when the preseason, David, preseason basketball. It's not quite real basketball, but it's preseason basketball, and it starts next week. So we are Next Tuesday. That. Yeah. Next Tuesday, Charlotte next Hornets. Tuesday. Let's go. <laughs> According to Ira Winderman of the South Florida Sun Sentinel, the Heat are not expected to make a run at James Harden. I recited the many off-the-court issues that Harden brings, as well as his playoff shortcomings. David, is this the right call by the Heat? Wow. That's a, a debate we've had before. Uh, I, I think it's a concern, and I think it should be a concern. I think the contract issues, whether or not he's engaged, they're looking for the right type of player that wants to win. You look at James Harden, if his priority is to win a title and to help push whatever team he's on with it's Philadelphia, the Los Angeles, Miami, or elsewhere. I don't know that anybody's ever looked at James Harden and said, oh yeah, that guy's a winner. The same way that you do with Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and even role players. Like you know that you're going to have a certain type of role and you want to star in that role. You want to contribute at a high level and you want to make the main thing, the main thing, right? The quotes from Pat Riley that everybody loves to say. And I don't know that that's the main thing for James Harden, which is fine if you're James Harden or if you're a James Harden fan, but not if you're the Miami Heat front office. You can't afford to whiff on acquiring a player like that and have him be kind of eh, disinterested at times, kind of lagging on defense, not necessarily full engagement, and not concentrating on what's most important to this team right now, which is to win a lot of basketball games. Eh. Huh. I don't really care about all that stuff. <laughs> the guy was an all-star last year. He was almost on all, almost an all-star, and he should have made the all-NBA team. Here's what he did the last couple of years in Philadelphia. Oh, 21 boy. points per season, 10.7 assists last year, led yeah. the league in assists yeah. last year, and 10.5 yeah. the year before that. This guy's a walking 21 and 10. If you're telling me he's lackadaisical and not really caring, he's lackadaisically himself into 21 and 10. Right, like that's what he's doing, and and that's better than anything the Heat have in terms of generating consistent offense. Is this the right call by the Miami Heat? I don't know. I get that he's a he's he's like Heat culture and Harden culture are polar opposites. I understand that. I get it. Right, 
I understand the risk involved in bringing somebody like that in the building, but I also think that he's on a one-year contract. It's not even a one-year. It's technically all we're talking about is like eight months here that you got to deal with him max is eight months. And you're just like, all right, I could deal with that for eight months. I could deal with almost anything for less than a year. You can't deal with James Harden putting up 21 and 10 and leading your offense, all those things that we were talking about just now. Like, what's the identity of this offense? James Harden, Bam Adebayo, pick and roll. James Harden plays a lot of basketball games when he's not – trying to quit on his basketball teams like he'll, he'll be out there year. and he plays right yeah. but it's like he'll be out there and play like 70 games for them this year just let him eat those innings up in the regular season and then let jimmy butler do his thing in the postseason i've made the argument before on this show the other part of this too that ira brought up in his column and i think it's worth exploring here is the idea of and the reason i say just do it is because if it's just kyle lowry and something else, whether it's Kyle Lowry and Duncan Robinson, and you're able to get back Harden and P.J. Tucker, which is a whole different kind of calculus there because we were just talking about P.J. Tucker and how important he was to the offense two years ago and obviously what he could do defensively. But I, I don't know that I would do it if it cost – I for sure would not do it if it cost me Jovic. I probably wouldn't do it even if it cost me Pacquez. Like those guys, good players on rookie-scale contracts are too valuable for this team in, in, in projecting where they're going to be salary cap-wise. Like those guys are a little bit too important. Um, I don't know that I would do it, even if it cost me a pick, if it was one future first round pick heavily protected or a swap rights, not even a real first round pick, I would at least consider it. I would go down that path. But the thing that Ira brought up in his column is even just trading Kyle Lowry at this point carries some risk because what if three or four months from now or whatever it is until February, some other player is available and maybe it's not even a star, but just like a player who makes like in the range of Kyle Lowry's 28, $29 million this season becomes available. Lowry is Miami's best sort of salary, movable salary on an expiring. That's going to be extremely valuable when that trade deadline comes around. Cause it, it will be teams are going to be trying to get out of the second tax apron for next year. Like that, that salary could be super valuable in February trading that takes obviously him off the table. And so there's maybe an opportunity cost and even just, like hypothetically, it just gave if it was just Kyle Lowry, that's all it cost you to get Harden. Even there is an opportunity cost that the Heat at least have to consider. What do you think about that? Yes, but I don't know where that player is. Like, I mean, maybe for Harden's sake, sure, I can I can understand if it's just can you be can it be a I mean, I know Philadelphia wouldn't do this, but can you trade Kyle Lowry for James Harden, or we'd have to include something else in order to to it would have to be like another salary. I'm I'm pretty sure to get within like the matching. Um, that's why that's why the the construction of Lowry plus Duncan for Harden plus PJ Tucker, Tucker comes up because it's it's basically exact dollar for dollar amounts. Like it fits perfect. But like let's say hypothetically, Jeremy Grant becomes available from Portland right in February. Like that Kyle Lowry number, and yeah, there's a lot of baggage there. But that Kyle Lowry number gets you really close to that Jeremy Grant number. And that's sort of the point that I was making here is like, if you trade Lowry for Harden, that basically takes away your best trade piece for something else that might be more preferential than Harden, given all the stuff, all the, you know, all the, the, the drama and the distractions that James Harden could potentially bring to the table. Yeah, no, I get it. I, uh, I just don't see Miami really kicking the tires a lot during midseason. Like I, I, I think they kind of, again, I think they're content with the roster as it currently stands. I think they want to see what their guys can do. I don't think as much as Eric Spolstra and some members of the team probably want their job to be easier and win more games during the regular season in order to have a better seed in the playoffs and then have a better chance of advancing. 
I don't know that that team operates that way. Certainly not from a transactional perspective. I think they're content being a mid-level team and just letting the chips fall where they may in the playoffs, knowing that this team can string a number of wins together to continue to advance and go on yet another deep run because they've done it three out of the last four seasons. And the fourth season was coming off of the shortest <laughs> the shortest offseason in NBA history with major issues due to regular COVID right, testing right. and everything else like that. Like we're kind of like, I mean, a lot of people want to point to the three trips, you know, three deep trips in the playoffs over the last four years and point to one, the Orlando bubble being a factor. And of course, you know, the, the, the fact that they didn't make the finals last uh, two seasons ago because they were beaten in game seven by the Boston Celtics. But I think this team is closer to that team capable of going on a deeper run than they are to the team that got swept by the Milwaukee yeah. Bucks. There, I, really I think we all agree on that, but I also think that there's a pretty clear ceiling when you get to the doorstep of the finals three out of four years and don't win it. Like yeah. it, that kind of tells me like, yeah, you're good enough to make it to the finals, but you might not be good enough to win the finals. Cause you got, kind of, yeah. you, you kind of got three shots at it and you weren't able to do it. Uh, and so look, I don't know that they, they're aggressively trying they to could get have beat off the warriors the two years ago. They could have beat the Warriors for years. I agree with that. I agree with that. And they, they um, would have beat the Lakers had Goran and Bam stayed healthy, too. You've been on that for a very long time. But it's, to me, I, I don't know that they are going to aggressively try to get off of the Kyle Lowry thing. There's there's some people are thinking, oh, like Kyle Lowry thinks he's the starting point guard and Eric Spolster disagrees and maybe there's going to be growing discontent between those two. I don't buy that. I don't buy that for a okay. second. But I do think that he's an expiring contract and those contracts could be very valuable and there can actually be other teams calling Miami trying to get Kyle Lowry in exchange for longer sure there money from somebody else, you know? And if you're the Heat's front office, then you're like, well, Kyle Lowry's our backup point guard. We're paying him almost $30 million a year. Like, what are we really doing here? You know what I mean? Like, or he's 37. Like, they're not re-signing him. You know what I mean? Like, he's not coming back to Miami. Not, well, not on that number, I should say. But No, 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 no. So like, All right, well, this is our last <laughs> chance to kind of use this salary slot in this way to go get something real and long-term. And... I do suspect that come the deadline where the Heat were trying to trade Kyle Lowry last deadline and they did float like they did kind of kick around the idea of do we just even wave and stretch this guy this summer before, you know, basically deciding not to do that, obviously. Refresh my memory. Who were they looking for at that point in time in the, in, in the midseason? Like at the trade deadline? I know there was talks for moving Kyle Lowry, but who was it they were trying to acquire? Do you remember? I think there was a rumor trade with the Clippers that fell through. There's something know how... with the Clippers for some of their like Robert Covington type Covington. deals and, and Nick Batum type deals or something like that. I don't know if Batum would have been in that right. deal, but I think there was conversations with with Indiana. You know, like are you really committed to Miles Turner? And then Miles Turner ended up signing that weird mm -hmm. kind of like extension sort of thing that he did, where he got sure. a little bit more money on the front end, whatever. Um, yeah. And then yeah, I think there's like I thought there was some stuff maybe with John Collins, but Atlanta couldn't make a decision on what it is that they thought John Collins sure. was worth. So um, I, I I think that. I think it's very much in play. Um, but the idea to go back to the central conceit of we won't do the James Harden deal now because we think there's something there might be something later. And to your point, what is that something? I don't know. I'm with you. And I'm kind of sick of that. Like, this is not even a James Harden thing. I'm kind of just sick of the, well, we don't want to do this now because there might be something later. And every time there was something now, they passed on it, Bradley Beal. And every time something uh -huh. later happened, they couldn't get it done. Because they just don't have the assets. So I'm almost just like, well, stop like stop with these hypothetical maybe what ifs kinds of things. And if there's something that legitimately helps the team right now that you think is a good fit, and again, this has nothing to do with James Harden, just in as a general 
theory and, a, and, a, and an approach by this front office that's been annoying me is stop thinking about what could happen. If there's something in front of you now, go do it. Just go do it. And you know what? Sometimes there's something to be said about just going all in and saying, screw it. I know that the Suns overpaid for Kevin Durant. But you know what? Now they have Kevin Durant. You know what I mean? Like, it's I, – so I just I, – that's I the part of this it. that kind of annoys me. It, it, no, I get it. And it could is, end up being I, the right decision. I'm just I'm, – I'm a little annoyed by the, the approach in general with uh, uh, performing <laughs> these weird hypotheticals months from now instead of something that can actually help your team right now because it's been a few times that they've done this. This team has just operated like that. They've never been like, a, oh, well – I know. That's a, it's annoying a, me. That's what I'm saying. That's a future heat decision. It's like, no, no, future heat and present heat are all the same. We're all aligned with, you know, let's not make that move. Better present day decisions makes future heat decisions way easier. Maybe, but not really. Like maybe, again, let's say say you make that trade, whatever it might have been, the Covington deal or something else similar, even Bradley Beal, and you don't win the chip with Beal on the roster, and now you're stuck paying him $60 million at some point in the near future. And it was reported, and I don't know that we covered this on the show, that the Heat wanted Bradley Beal to waive his no-trade clause when he came here, and the Suns did not have that requirement, and that's ultimately why he ended up in Phoenix. It wasn't because the Heat didn't want to part with the assets. It's because they didn't want to acquire Beal with a no-trade clause, uh, which traveled with him to Phoenix. Right, because eventually they were going to try to unload that salary. So I, yeah, I just yeah, totally. I'm yeah. no, I'm with you on the on on, on all that stuff. Like it, in a vacuum, each one of these, all these decisions, you'd be like, well, you know what, it was the right decision in the moment. But it, but still, like I'm looking at Milwaukee with Damian Lillard and Boston with Drew Holiday, and they kind of just took all that stuff and they said, you know what, these guys are really good. Screw it, let's just go get them. And I, and I, I just think that there's something to be said about you got a guy in their prime, whether it's Giannis or. In Boston's case, it's uh, Tatum and Jalen Brown. Like these guys are legitimately awesome players. Let's go get them their help. And Miami's like, well, this help is kind of good, but there might be better help later. And I'm like, you know what? Just, just go get the dude. Just go get him, and then go figure that's it out not, later. Maybe it doesn't work, but who cares? That's not entirely fair because I mean, they went after Drew Holiday, offered a big deal for him. They just didn't have the Robert Williams piece that made it enticing for Portland. Plus, all I don't the think bad they offered a second. I don't think they offered a second first round pick. And I, I like Boston. I thought that was reported. I can't recall by whom, but I thought that was part of it. So I think they offered like as high as a couple picks and whatever mm. salary was with Kyle Lowry, I suppose. You know, so they've, I keep thinking that they've tried to make these deals and yeah, maybe they get close and look, maybe they just haven't earned the same negative reputation as Trader Danny, you know, Trader or whatever his uh, nickname is, you know, because he just gets this close and he loves telling everybody about how he gets this close to all those deals. I just, I, I think there are concerns there. And again, I think they, they, aren't necessarily complacent. I like I was big on this last year. I don't know if Lowry is necessarily going to make that kind of move. I think last year they should have acquired somebody that was more in that mid-level. Uh, you know, we saw it work out for the Lakers when they acquired Hachimura, yeah. and I know that you were very high on him. I don't know why Miami didn't pursue that type of deal. Well, that's a great would... that's a great example because Russell Westbrook was on an expiring and Lowry had two years left on his contract. And I think that's might be what's in play here in February is Hey, let's trade you this expiring contract. You can get off some other salaries that you don't really want to be a part of anymore. And you get out of jail out of free card in the form of Kyle Lowry for a couple of months. And by the way, he's a great guy to have in your locker room and all these things. You can enjoy that for a couple of months. And then you walk away and, and you get some flexibility and we get a, maybe one or two or three good players that fit more with our, our core going forward. But um, speaking going forward, Bam Adebayo has a big decision to make. We'll tell you what that is after this. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Step into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook right now. New customers 
get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Of course, now with the basketball season, you want to get in on some good deals. FanDuel is the one for you. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Thanks for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. David, as we tend to do, we go long on the trade type of conversations, even though it feels like we keep having the same conversation over The and fans over love it. The fans love it, so it's okay. And Just I thought the, the framing of that one was a little bit more interesting. I thought it was a worthwhile discussion. Um, but looking forward, as we did before, Bam Adebayo told us today that he was invited to the Olympics and is leaning towards playing but he will wait to make his final decision, saying that he'll see how he feels at the end of the season. Meanwhile, Joel Embiid is committed to playing for Team USA in the Olympics, choosing Team USA over Cameroon and France, two countries that he also holds citizenship with. Uh, do you think that Joel Embiid's commitment should impact Bam's decision, given that they play the same position? Uh, yes, I think it should. I think there's... Less of a pressing need to have Bam out there. I'd love to see Bam represent Team USA in the Olympics. And at the same time, he's already won a gold medal. He's already achieved that and uh, has proven how valuable he can be in the international stage. But with Joel Embiid there, I think the center position is well covered. And I think now all of a sudden you turn what was a, a position of weakness during the FIBA World Cup into a position of strength for Team USA. And I don't think, again, you were talking about a loaded roster from everything we've heard. There's going to be so many different players from Steph Curry to LeBron James, et cetera, et cetera. Kevin Durant is definitely going to be participating. Now Joel Embiid. Like, you know, you kind of want to be in on that just for the the whole camaraderie and the yeah. recruiting and everything else like that. But I don't think there's the same, same sense of urgency. And given that, you know, we're kind of having this little bit of a shift, as you and I were talking about even before we started recording, you know, we're looking at Bam's window now. Whatever Jimmy's window may or may not be for the next season or two, Bam's window has to be taken into consideration. The less mileage you can put, even at 26, I think is still a consideration. So I I, I don't know. I, I think that's think why that, he says he'll see how he feels at the end of the season, right? Yeah, two trips to the finals, a long season in the Orlando bubble, the Eastern Conference finals two seasons ago. That all kind of stacks up after a while. And I know these guys are playing basketballs, but you also need to decompress a little bit. Not everybody needs to be Nikola Jokic and, and just kind of take months off and not touch a basketball. Bam's not that type of person or player. He needs to be able to continue to put in work during the offseason. So I wonder, and it's not like he's he would get work with Team USA, but maybe there's other areas of his game that he can kind of focus on and fine-tune for and, the next season. And to your point, like Team USA is a lot different than playing pickup in Miami Pro League, right? Like you, you're traveling across the country, you're playing high-level competition basketball, nothing against Miami Pro League, but it's not quite the Olympics. Um, yeah. So, uh, look, I don't think that Embiid's decision should influence Bam. He's got the invitation. He has it. Like, I don't know how it works for basketball. I don't know if it's like a college acceptance letter and that it comes in the mail. I have no idea how it works. It's a pool. But, it's a pool. It's a pool. They enter a pool, players. Yeah. Okay, all right. No, no, that's but it. Bam has his invitation. I just don't know if it's like a physical invitation that came in the mail or if Steve or if Grant Hill. Well, he still needs to make the, the final cut, right? Yeah, and he I would. Mean, I, I assume. Yeah, he would. Would he? Like if Miles Turner 
Eric Spolster's on the staff. Yeah, but He's I don't think the final cut. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, loves I, him. If Draymond plays, like I don't know that Draymond would at this point, but like if you get a Draymond out there, like he was in the Olympics a couple of years ago with Bam too, like and he started right for I mean uh, for mm-hmm. kind of not alongside mm-hmm. Bam, but yeah. it kind of over. Yeah, so I I don't know. I I don't think it's necessarily as much of a shoe in as you make. I would be maybe not, but I would be very surprised if Bam didn't make it. Like he's he was awesome for them in the Olympics. Like like that's that means something, right? Like his game translates to that level of basketball. Um, for whatever reason, it does. Anyway, if I'm Bam, I'm not even thinking about the fact that I like I might not make it. Like that's not even part of my decision. Like if I'm Bam, I'm like I'm making it. You know what I mean? Like that's the kind of confidence that Bam has. Uh, the fact that Joel Embiid is playing, like maybe you could explore playing Bam and Joel Embiid together. Like Joel Embiid can shoot threes, kind of like he does at least. Like so, um, I would be very shocked if Steve Kerr all of a sudden rolled out a double big lineup, given his preference and and the way that he likes to play his lineups. Look at the Warriors for ten years, and just look at uh, Team USA in the FIBA World Cup, where he did, he, he trended to go smaller too. But um, yeah, if I'm Bam, I don't, I don't care about the fact that I'm starting. It yeah. doesn't matter to me. It's the Olympics. Like, who cares? Um, I want to be part of that Paris. team. I want to be part of the team that goes to Paris. Quick story. Uh, I never got to my top five Europe takeaways with you, David, on the show. Oh, but I did I did see one basketball jersey my entire time in Paris. Do was, I get to guess? Yeah, go ahead. I mean, we're literally talking what's, about what's right now. What's oh, he Bam. Is it Bam? Is it, it Bam really? out of Bios jersey. One jersey the entire time I was in Paris. It was Bam out of Bios. Not LeBron. Not Kobe. It was Bam Adebayo's jersey. It was the only jersey I saw the entire time in Paris. I took a picture of it. I've been meaning to show it to Bam. But, um, yeah. Like, if I'm Bam, like I want to go to there or like being worn by someone? Just dude walking around the street. Great With pants. a Bam Adebayo jersey. White. The, and he chose, the, he chose the white Miami Heat jersey, which we all know is the best Miami Heat jersey. It's clean. It's, it's great. Um, yeah. And you know what? I was like, is that Bam? And it wasn't. But it was... Uh, like if I'm Bam, I want to do the Olympics too because of the marketability. Is my point here? It's like you get to go to the Olympics, you get to be part of this big group. You're on you're on a, a star tour basically with the biggest stars like LeBron and Katie and Steph. Like of course you want to be part of that. I don't care that Joel Embiid made this decision yeah. to come in. In fact, maybe it buoys my decision to come because Joel Embiid seems like a fun guy to hang out with yeah. uh, on the road. Yeah, just go get some Shirley Temples, have a good time, man. Like it's. It's all good. So I just, uh, I if I'm Bam, I'm definitely gonna be a part of this. And 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 the more stars, regardless of their position, the more stars commit, the more I'm gonna try to commit. And uh, that's where I'm at at this. I think ultimately Bam does play in this thing. Uh, I don't care what the end of the season looks like. Even if they win the NBA Finals, I think he'll he'll just he'll oh, go. I no, think he'll go. No, if, if they, I mean, we saw LeBron do that in 2012. I just don't think that's realistic either. Uh, I, I think that you bring up the marketability standpoint, and I think that Bam would see his marketability drop because of Embiid. And I think that's a huge factor. And especially, again, if you make that point, if they win the finals, he's as marketable yeah. as he's going to get. Drop? Why would it drop? Because he's going to be playing behind him? Yeah. Tayshaun Prince. Tayshaun Prince never as good as Bam Adebayo. Deron Williams, Tayshaun Prince, etc. Hey, they were on the Redeem team. Does anybody remember? Hell no. Because no, LeBron James was Bam. there. Because Kobe the, Bryant. Bam's not the Tayshaun Prince of the Olympic team. There are people saying in the year of 2023 that Bam shouldn't be an all-star and he's overrated. Like, we know what he represents. But I think outside of Miami, where his marketability is just fine, I don't think anybody gives a damn about Bam Adebayo. Except for that one guy in France. Kudos to him. 
That's what I'm saying. Go to Paris. Make people care about you. Be part of it. If you're playing team. behind Joel Embiid, if you're seeing Joel Embiid flop his way to 30 points in a win over Serbia, I think that's fine. And I don't what think that's Joel Embiid. Oh. <laughs> that could happen. I, in hey, Olymp- man. In Olympic, in, I, in, 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 in international will, rules, that could totally happen. I will, I will book my ticket to Las Vegas now for their summer camp right away just to see Bam bust Embiid and practices all up and down the floor just for MB to get to starting not anyway because he committed there. And then he'll pull out and he'll go and represent Cameroon or France or whatever. Um, I just want to see Bam in the Olympics because it kind of was boring to watch the Team USA without a Heat player on them this year. I just want, I want to have a little bit of investment there and, and something to talk about. Jimmy does it. Too. No. Not at all. Uh, I won't rule it out, but I also don't think he will. He like He's like, I see your Paris – I'm going to go to Paris on my own, and then I'm also going to go to Argentina and Greece and all these and China and all these other places that I want to go to. Like he's got a whole travel schedule lined up. It'd be great if he just passes by just to kind of check it out and be like, "Hey, I'm here." Well, if, if Jimmy Butler side. never wins a championship, would an Olympic gold medal help? Would it even matter in his sort of like winning? He's already got one. Oh, he does have a gold medal. Yeah, he's already done it. All right, yeah. So does Bam. Yeah, he's not doing it. Bam once so more. Bam. Give them all to Bam. Give them all to Bam. One thing Spo did say, he's like, that kind of stuff is so underappreciated with Bam is that he has won at every level. The dude is just a winner, and he's already accomplished so much at 26 years old. And I think another gold medal wouldn't hurt. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Follow us on your favorite podcast app. Uh, and we got a bunch of basketball games before we watch Bam in the Olympics, so we're excited for that. 